Hello, and welcome to the Taking Social Stock podcast. This is episode four, and this week we will be discussing an article Heather picked out. Uh, So what article did you choose this week, Heather? I chose a BBC article. It's called TikTok U.S. Judge Halts App Store Ban. And I chose it because I wanted us to look at an ongoing story in the U.S. from a perspective of a news source outside of the U.S. What do you mean by as a news source outside of the U.S.? Oh, because the BBC is not one of our uh, media outlets? Yes. I see. Yeah, so I read through the article, and uh, then I also found another article by NPR, basically the exact same thing. The short version is that they were facing being removed from TikTok, the social media app was being potentially removed from the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play, but a judge blocked that, but they still have a deadline looming. I think we should add that we have downloaded TikTok. We're not really the market for the app, definitely uh, from when I loaded it up and scrolled through just a couple of postings, most none of it really appealed to me, even after selecting my interest. Uh, did you have any better luck? Yeah, I actually really liked it. You know, and I kind of had a feeling that I would. I intentionally had not downloaded it before today. We downloaded it because actually you did. And I thought that was a great idea to get the idea of what it's like to to use the platform. I've watched TikTok videos. I have found them entertaining. But similar to other platforms like Snapchat, I intentionally do not download them because I can go down a rabbit hole and lose track of time watching fun videos. I do the same, but I do it more through YouTube, which that kind of uh, mentioning other apps, you know, TikTok is huge right now. I think they have 100 million US users worldwide. It's something like seven or 800 million. It's the fastest growing app on the App Store, kind of breaking records, I think. It's also done extremely well during the pandemic as people are at home. Uh, you have a lot more celebrities and people embracing the platform and posting videos. But at the same time, all the best stuff gets compiled and uploaded to YouTube as videos. So I've encountered the content myself, but all these laugh, you lose challenges that are on YouTube, I don't usually find that funny. But that's not the point really today of grading the platform. It's more to look at kind of what does this mean? Uh, We don't want to go down the political road. That's not really the point of the podcast. But more look at how could this impact people? What does the story mean for people? And kind of what is the business lens? What's the high level business point here? So one thing I want to point out, now that I've used TikTok, you can definitely see the similarities to a prior app called Vine. And I'm guessing you'd never use that one either. No, but I was familiar with it. Vine had a very short life. Eventually it was acquired by Twitter, I believe. And then in 2016, all the users started leaving because they, like all the compilation uploaders, realized that YouTube was just a better source of income. There's better monetization, better ways to make money because when you're running 15-second videos, there's no no room for an ad, not even a five-second ad. So they, they moved to YouTube where they had better monetization and the platform basically made no money and Twitter closed it. Musical.ly was very similar, but Musical.ly is actually the birthplace of TikTok. The company that owns it in China bought out Musical.ly as the platform started to decline and rolled that into TikTok and created the current app. Yeah, that's ByteDance is the one that bought Musical.ly or the company that bought Musical.ly. And that's where part of our story is going to have to go today. Our talk will have to go. So 
while we do intentionally try to stay bipartisan, because this is our hope is to even if it's one, right? Like if we can help create discussion, uh, get people talking across ideologies, that's kind of our vision of success and starting with people first. But there is no way to avoid the politicization of this. But I think starting out, it's really, you're talking about the monetization, which I know we'll get into probably a little bit here, but giving some background on how big uh, TikTok is. I had no idea before recently. So there are 100 100 million active users in the U.S., And I thought, that's a really big chunk of the population. So I went to the U.S. Census Bureau. They have something called a population clock. It's actually kind of neat if you want to nerd out. You can go to their population clock and watch the population of the U.S. and other countries scroll up based on, as the title would show, how the population is growing. So you have 100 million active users in the U.S. on TikTok. Currently, there are 330 million, roughly people in the U.S. So about a third of the U.S. population has at least down, are they're actively using TikTok? And we are two more new ones as of today, I guess. About 700 million users worldwide. The app itself has been downloaded more than 2 billion times. Just between January and March of this year, it was downloaded 350 million times, 315, 315 million times. And that's of individuals and approximately 25 million businesses are using it. And that's as of March of this year. This is a way to reach a tough market to reach with traditional marketing. Uh, You're targeting basically the 14 to 24 year olds with a platform like this since social media has always been good at reaching the younger audiences. So there's definitely marketing opportunities through there. It's interesting. I saw some numbers here. I don't know what the, how profitable the parent company is. But the new, I guess, American president or whoever they hired, a guy from Disney they hired onto the company to kind of run it and be the U.S. face, he projected that the company was going to make about $500 million this year. And they thought their user base was going to grow, you know, not as much as it currently is. So they're actually growing faster than they thought, but they believe ad revenue is going to be down because of companies spending less. But this company only made two to $300 million last year. Uh, we don't know what their expense load is. So I I wouldn't expect it to be a profitable platform. They're just now trying to get into the growth stage, which is where these social media companies start figuring out how to monetize the users. So the general game plan is they develop a platform that draws people in, and then you figure out how to monetize that. The most obvious way is you get companies on there, and they can sponsor videos. You can put them higher on the search feed, so that way they can promote their product. There was, was... I was trying to figure out how do people make money on... TikTok, especially after seeing how many people in the U.S. and across the world are on it. It was hard to find a ton of information on that. The little bit I did find, and it's not like I was searching for hours on this in terms of who's making income, but after a brief search, a few people came to the the top of the list. And there are a few people at least making several million dollars a year in the single digits of several million a year, which is great for them. Absolutely. I do think as well, a lot of people might potentially get on the platform thinking they're going to create a career out of it. And that's not realistic for most people. No, it's any social media influencer kind of career path that there's a luck aspect to it, Mm -hmm. but there's definitely a right place, right time. And there's a, a skill. You need to have that personality. You need to have that, the video that goes viral. 
uh, and then personality to keep those viewers. So right now, the way you can make money on TikTok is really sponsored content, brand deals, and merchandising. Those are the real ways. There's no ongoing monetization for the content creators like there is with YouTube or uh, things like Twitch, which are longer form video services where you're looking to get viewers, retain them, and then you can run ads on a entry and exit basis. There's a lot more ad potential there. They have done a couple things where they create these funds of 50 million, I think was the first round. Then they're looking to a $200 million round of funds that they can distribute to people based on whatever criteria they choose. So your big content producers, they have a chance to earn some of those funds as a way to entice the users to stay on the platform and make content because they're experiencing the same thing Vine did where a lot of their biggest users are saying, hey, I'm not making the money here that I could. So I'll create a YouTube channel, make content there because they they're not incentivized to only be on TikTok. They can go to these other platforms and make other content once they've developed a fan base. The enticement of people coming in, not only for financial reasons, but also for uh, connection and gaining followers for, there could be a lot of reasons people really want to give a go at something like this, that um, we can get into more of that personal aspect in a little bit. One thing that I would think that's important for us to hit on is why are we even talking about TikTok? Why was it even being talked about being banned? I think probably a lot of people have seen that in news articles, but we can kind of get into why was this even a thing? Where is it now? And where does it, where, where is TikTok's future in the US? And what might that mean, both positively and negatively for people? One of the things, though, so I don't forget, going back a little bit earlier to something you said about they they are expecting the revenue to go down this year. This year, they, they may not expect to see revenues, but they think longer term after the pandemic they're going to be positioned in a, a way to be doing really well financially. I always, I have trouble believing that. I think maybe I'm influenced by the uh, the movie that was about the creation of Facebook. But the, the short story on any social media platform is they have to reach a step to make money. So they can, they can generate revenue, but being profitable is very tough. So just to give a couple examples of kind of their competitors, Twitter last year, they have about 186 million users. Uh, that's worldwide, I think. But in 2019, they only generated 800 million in revenue. And on that, they made 126 million in net profit. And it took Twitter quite a while to become profitable. They've been around in the world of social media forever. Snapchat, which is a more contemporary competitor, they generate more revenue, 1.7 billion on 300 million users. So they're actually a bigger platform than Twitter. But they earned an net income of negative $1 billion. Basically, they spent almost twice as much as they brought in. Both of these companies and the same thing for TikTok, their biggest expense is payroll because you're paying a lot of engineers. And then you have a lot of infrastructure too, but your whole business is the people you have. So that's an expense that you really, you really can't cut. Wages and salary is always going to be your biggest expense. And for these kind of companies to stay at the top of the game, they're always going to have to spend the biggest dollars. That's good to know. I have to imagine that I'm not unique in this as somebody with not an in-depth financial background that, you know, I look at these articles and see these wild sums of money um, being talked about, you know, whether it's the, there was a, one of the articles talked about if, TikTok to already be sold, assumption or 
some thoughts are that it could sell for anywhere between 20 and $50 million, right? So somebody like me sees that and thinking, oh my gosh, like this is, they're, they're just kind of like, what is that term? Like breaking hand over fist or whatever that term is. And um, what you shared really helps put into perspective of there's, there's more than meets the eye with those kind of, that, that information. Yeah. The big challenge on evaluating the value of these companies. So when there's a merger and acquisition, the companies should be doing their research on what they think the, the total lifetime value of a company is. And when you're looking at a social media company, we don't know what their expected business curve looks like. So you have industries that have been around a while, you kind of know, you know, you can guess that they're going to stick around for so many years, things like banking, you kind of project that they're, they're going to be around forever. But for other industries, you know, they're short term, any kind of tech business, especially something like this, you know, their lifespan is generally short, and their comparables are Vine and Musical.ly, both companies that didn't really last more than like five years. So you have to think how much money do the companies that are bidding on them, I think Oracle and Walmart were the two that were potentially going to be buyers here, and they were going to buy 20% stakes each. They, they're wanting to see what they think they can earn in those basically five years. But the real value for both those companies is how they can incorporate that into their other offerings. So Walmart would now have a way to advertise in mass at no cost to them. So it's almost like advertising expense for a company like Walmart. And $50 million is obviously, that's nothing to that size of a company. Yeah, thinking about, we could probably talk really specifically about the financial aspects for like an hour. And I would love to learn more, but looking at time, what about we switch to some of the human component? Well, before we jump into that, I do want to kind of give the kind of the legal background of what's going on here, at least what's the political climate, Um, not so much what my opinion on it is, but what's going on from the business side in the political world. Anytime you're working in a foreign country, there's all kinds of different risks you take on as a business. So U.S. companies deal with this whenever they go into China, whenever they go into India or when they're working even in Europe, you know, there there's regulatory challenges that you're facing. And one of your biggest risks is always the regulatory environment. And that's what's facing TikTok. Under the current presidency, under the current administration, we do have a stronger stance against China. And there's a lot of trade positioning going back and forth. In 2018, Congress actually passed legislation that expanded the government's power to block transitions, transactions such as this, that they view as national security threats. For all countries do this. It's very common in Europe to see them block a lot of company sales to foreign investors to protect their national identity. So you'll see it a lot. There's a lot of money that pours in from China and the Middle East into European countries to try to buy them out, and their governments block them all the time. We don't see it as much in the U.S., but it does happen. And this legislation passed in 2018 basically reinforced the president's powers to do this. And he's already done it once this year. So this rule actually went into effect February 13th of this year, though they passed it in 2018. And by March, he'd already blocked a very similar transaction or a very similar situation. There was a Chinese-based company that had a Hong Kong subsidiary that creates a software called Stay in Touch, which is a self-check-in and room management platform used by a bunch of different hotel chains. MGM is the biggest one people will know of. MGM does a lot of the casino and resorts. And they blocked that technology from being used by hotels because they viewed it as a potential security threat, saying that the consumer data of these companies 
could be at risk because a foreign national company would have access to that data and that could be potentially a threat for us. That's the kind of whole idea behind the blocking here. China is having all this access to this data and that is a threat because who knows what's on it. I don't know if that's necessarily a good precedent to set that the government is basically censoring in a way and controlling this type of business. But I do also kind of understand China. We're not the first company to block TikTok or country to block TikTok. India's blocked it. There's been other countries that are concerned and that there might be close ties between the company and the government because there's close ties between all tech companies in China and the government. Yeah. So concern is one thing. Speculation is is part of where this has to go as well, though, because although other countries like India might have, have done that, they are not a U.S. government, right? And one of the arguments or the argument that TikTok has presented is what Trump has done is in violation of uh, the First and Fifth Amendment, so freedom of speech and due process. There, One of their arguments is there were already negotiations underway to try to remedy some of his concerns, or they were responsive to that and his concerns and that he didn't really need to, to move forward. This is all like and kind of a bullet point form. But I think while, while good and important to bring up the importance of security risk, there are people on both sides of the aisle who have concerns about TikTok. Um, but, but right now, there doesn't seem to be any validity to the information having been shared. Well, and again, one of the articles I read, um, it was talking about how but roughly the same amount of data, if not less, is taken of users from TikTok than versus Facebook. True, but Facebook is a U.S.-based company, so the thought is, well, we can tell them what to do with the data versus if it's a Chinese company, we can tell them, but they may not listen, and they may also just lie. That's the, I guess, sentiment behind blocking it. I also think it's just another chip in the trade war, just trying to kind of say... We want to control the relationship. So in terms of the three things that needed to get done, we were seeing a couple things happening already. So the deal with Oracle and Walmart needed to be finalized. With Oracle, it should be mentioned that Oracle's leader is a big Trump supporter and has donated a lot of money to the Trump campaign. Microsoft was also a bidder to get this deal. Uh, they own LinkedIn and securing this would have helped them branch into like the, the youth market. They did not clearly get that. And like you said, Walmart, they secured some stake in this. And then getting Trump support, which it has gotten Trump support. And then they have to get China's government's approval. Yeah, that's the that's going to be the tough one. Yeah. And I'm not sure on the timeline on that. In terms of the human connection point where you think, okay, so so TikTok is around, it lives another day, at least for now. What are some of the, the pros and cons of how TikTok plays out in people's lives? And we've, we've seen, especially in this COVID world, it has brought people feeling connected more often. There aren't a, a ton of studies yet. It's still, you know, we're in the first year of the pandemic. Hopefully that's all there is to it. But um, we're seeing kind of anecdotally information on that of people being more connected. There is an article that talked about how it was helping earlier days in the pandemic easing fears among younger people because they were getting access from credible resources, nurses and such, of sharing information about the virus. We're also seeing it's a way for small businesses to connect with people. It is becoming a huge form of activism 
There were multiple articles that either said explicitly or alluded to how TikTok TikTok went from being a dance platform, essentially, to helping with youth find their voices and activism. We saw there was a rally this spring or this summer where uh, Gen Z, they were inflating attendee numbers at a Trump rally. So they were buying or ordering all these tickets and then not going. And that was a way that they were showing their stance in this climate. It's increasing knowledge domestically and internationally. So we're seeing youth and I don't want to say only youth because more people who aren't youth are beginning to use the platform more. Uh, But it is, I think, a way to see different parts of the world, seeing themselves and people who are in all sorts of situations through the world or the world. We're seeing advocacy for racial justice. Um, It's a way for domestic abuse victims to get more help. There are negatives to every positive. But before I go into that, do you have anything that you would want to share, Andy? My concern with, with, I guess, that side of it is more that is it a good vehicle for those messages? Maybe it maybe it's just me being a, a boomer, you know, <laughs> not actually a boomer, guys. But, uh, you know, I, I just don't know if it's the most valuable platform for that aspect. But from I've only had, you know, one day of experience with the app. <laughs> so what I will say, though, is the interesting side of that, though, is in China, obviously, the app came from there. It's bigger there. There's been accusations that the Chinese government is trying to control the message and censor post. And that would be one concern if it remains, you know, if users in the U.S. are controlled underneath Chinese data holdings, is they could restrict and control the content that U.S. people post to influence beliefs and campaigns. Obviously, that's been big news for Facebook and Twitter and all that for the last few years. But if another country does control the the data, they can control the narrative by, you know, deleting posts that they don't think helps out the Chinese government. I think maybe that's a part of the concern. They could act as censorship against activism as a foreign entity. But that wouldn't affect, I don't think they really care too much about our protest that we're doing about police violence or anything like that in the U.S. They may not care about that for in the U.S., but there are it does look like like uh, the cre- the the leadership of TikTok here in the U.S. because TikTok itself is is American, right? It's on American soil, um, or I think it's maybe data is accessible to I believe Thailand in the U.S. but not in China. That being said, though, yes, ByteDance, the owner of TikTok, has been accused of censoring protests in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. And it's also been exposed when we're talking about them that they were suppressing videos of people that they thought maybe were not attractive enough to be on there on the on the platform. There is something in the U.S. though that's called uh, shadow banning, and that's where a platform it can silently, quietly stop sharing influencers information that they don't want to be shared or they just kind of want to tamper down without telling the creator themselves. So it's a real example for that, a pretty timely one, is as of early June, the hashtag Black Lives Matter had more than 4.6 billion posts on TikTok. There was an outcry among users of the platform influencers saying like, hey, like I have all these followers, but I was seeing on certain posts that Uh, I was getting way fewer likes or comments or views than than had been the case before. So 
it may look less overt than in other countries, but it has already happened here in a certain way. Sure. And I wouldn't be surprised if their their response was, oh, well, you know, that's the algorithm. That's what YouTube always Mm -hmm. basically blames anytime a video doesn't do well versus saying, hey, we we clicked a setting. Who's to say? Yeah. And and just to kind of wrap up the kind of the, the pluses and the minuses of what this platform might mean for users, I'd said on one of the pluses, domestic abuse victims were having more of an outlet now being trapped in homes with abusers during the pandemic. You know, celebrity Billie Eilish, she came up on that cause to her 60 million viewers. So those are things where voices are amplified. On the flip side of that, there has been a trend of teen girls dressing up as domestic violent victims. Uh, I really don't know how that came to be, but that was a thing. And then there were, after that, there were hundreds of prank calls to domestic violence shelters. Again, I don't know why that would be a thing, but people who work at shelters were saying like, hey, this this really has to stop because we really have to keep our, our phone lines open for people who are trapped at home or with these people. It's a very interesting topic, of course, if TikTok does get taken down on November 12th. So that's the deadline for them to to actually have resolved all their issues. Uh, if they don't, they will actually be closed down versus just delisted from the stores. People who have the app will probably still be able to use it. That's the case now. And that would have been the case if the ruling had not been uh, withheld basically yesterday or the day before. If it does go away, just like Vine, just like Musical.ly, something else will spring up and there's already competitors who are chomping at the bit to get access to that 800 million users. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your perspective today, Andy. Well, no problem. (laughs) All right. Well, this one was a little bit of a weird topic, um, talking about a social media platform for the younger generation, but it does have implications on the business world and on things that you might see happening in the future as far as how social media, which is an important aspect of the current society, could be impacted by governments and what it might mean for you if you are an active user of those platforms. Also, you're not 90. It's not weird that you're on that platform now. Well, I'm I'm deleting it after this podcast. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, this has been episode four of the Taking Social Stock podcast. If you have any questions or comments or you want to call us boomers, you can email us at <laughs> takingsocialstock at gmail.com. Until next week, have a good one.